Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Tookies Take Podcast. We are back. It is us, the guys, the fellas. <laughs> Sin is here. Endo is here. I am here. He, she, we, we are here. And Wumboing. Uh, we are back for another edition of what should be a rather interesting podcast with a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff to talk about in the hockey world. This is my worst intro of all time. I continue to lower the bar, but we push forward. Sin, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. I probably left about two grand on the table today, so not happy about that. Um, but you can't you know, say that and not elaborate. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, earnings report for a certain uh, stock. I had an option on it, sold it at like 200 bucks profit, and it like skyrocketed 30% after hours. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, it didn't, didn't feel That's, too good. But that you know is why whenever we talk about the <laughs> stock market, I'm scared to death to actually do anything. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I didn't lose money. I still made money. I mean, I could have made more. Well, but see, also, had it gone the other way, I would have lost all of, all of the 1200 I had. So Fair. Know. But like, that's the thing for me with like <laughs> betting, right? And we're going to talk about the Super Bowl mm -hmm. today. But oh, my God. Don't I had 20 bucks on the Super Bowl in prop bets, and I could have made 220 It wasn't even my $20, and I didn't win, and I'm still mad. Yeah. I didn't lose anything, don't start but trading. what I could have gained. <laughs> I'm going to tell you now, don't it, start trading. Yeah. That's, if, if, yeah. <laughs> that's sometimes it hurts worse than losing money is when you leave money on the table, but I'm to the mm -hmm. point now where I know, like, this isn't, I'm not a one and done. Like, I do this every day. It's a grind for me. It's an income, so it's like... Yeah, if, if I if I look back on that and like I you know I, I let myself get too affected by it, then I'm essentially a you know a, a gambler, and that's not what I am. Mm, fair. Endo Mills, how are you? How was your weekend, Brenda? Um, speaking of betting, uh, I had the worst experience of betting. So <laughs> I spent roughly you did too. yeah I spent roughly twenty five dollars on there. I'm like oh I got extra twenty five. I'll just throw it in there. I spent it on several several different things that would have paid out really really decently if it hit. And not a single mm. fucking one. Not a single dollar I made. I made nothing. I I lose. Good day, sir. <laughs> yeah, but besides that, we I'm have doing all the right. worst luck. Yeah, uh, besides that, I'm doing <laughs> so, all right. I wouldn't know, even know how to like, get started in sports betting. Like you guys talk about it, like that's not my realm at dude, all. Dude, it's a. Oh, I, I sat there. I did like an hour and a half worth of research of looking up <laughs> stats, looking up everything, every like whatever you could possibly want to look up. And I'm like, okay, I feel super confident with these four. I got one out of four. The other three were close, but and again, we'll move on to viewer questions. Um, although, of course, before we do that, I want to mention that this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped. Use code TUGI at checkout for 20% off your order and free worldwide shipping. Check out, check out the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, the best pair of boxers you could possibly buy. All of that and more at Manscaped. Now, I transition that to say, in terms of uh, betting in the Super Bowl, maybe if the goddamn Rams could run the football... And if the Bengals could throw the damn football, I would have won something. <laughs> like, the inverse happened, and it's... God. Right. Did either of you watch the Soupy Boopy? Yes, I did. I watched I, a little uh, bit of it. I was, I was feeling a little bit like Simba there. <laughs> Get up, Joe Burrow. Get up, Joe Burrow. <laughs> And, oh, uh, I thought you meant when Bufasa just yeets him off the mountain in the meme. You mean, that's R Rafiki. Show some respect. Oh, Rafiki. Put some goddamn respect on that man's name. Um, Whatever. <laughs> that dude was like my favorite character of all time until I was about 
10 years old. Uh, anyway, yeah, it was. And then who did it change to? Ah, who knows, man? 10, probably someone from Star Wars. <laughs> Question from Toogie, favorite Disney character? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. Now, currently? Or uh, of all Yeah. Mm. Either. Why not? Favorite Disney character. Do you have one, Endo? Because this one might, might take some thinking for me. I've been around the block. <laughs> it's been a while since I've really cared about Disney. Not to be the unbelievable favorite Disney Honestly, character. The, I, that's a tough one. Let me tell you the favorite, my favorite song in any Disney movie. It's "Be Like You" in the Jungle Book. It was sung by this—I mm. forget the guy's name—but he was this old school uh, Vegas entertainer back in the fifties, and it's he, he played King Louie, you know that orangutan mm-hmm. monkey king. And that song is a fucking banger, jazzy, groovy. It is. Mm. I agree. Uh, apparently, Christopher Walken did a cover of it in 2016, and Fall Out Boy also might have done that. According <laughs> oh, yeah. to the he did. I mean, how did it sound? Um, God, I want the bay like yo. Louis or Louis Prima. Is Thank you. Who I'm yeah, finding. Louis Prima. There it yeah. is. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I will say that's one of my favorite Disney songs. My favorite Disney song. Uh, be a man. <laughs> from <the> yeah. <laughs> Or actually, no, that, we're going to go with... Let's, let's get let's, down to business, or is that different? Yeah, it is. It is, actually. That's, yeah. that's, that's a good song. Yes. Yes. That's It's the best one. Uh, because every time I say, let's get down to yes. business, I always yes. have to repeat it to I, defeat the Huns. I agree. Yeah. Every time. That's, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, football. No, no. <laughs> I How did that happen? I found, my Dis- I found my Disney character, just Iago, because of Gilbert Godfrey. Just, just that's the, there. Just you know what? That's, that's oh, I didn't even <laughs> name my favorite fair. character. I just yeah. went for the song. <laughs> I didn't either. Oh, I just... <laughs> We're going with Mushu because Eddie Murphy's a legend. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm way too indecisive, I think, for this. Shit. Um, Dude, I am so bad with favorite questions. It's unbelievable. Yeah, like I would go for like who was my favorite voice actor, probably. And I'm trying to think about There's been so many good ones in Disney. You know what? Emperor's New Groove. That's. um. Mm. Um, probably Cusco because David Spade, the dry humor in that is just mm. flawless like that. Yeah. That like revitalized me into Disney for a while when I like thought, OK, I'm not a kid anymore. And then I watched that as like, holy shit, you know, Disney still has a lot to offer. That's kind of what got me back into it. So uh, we are done with uh, boomers talk about Disney. You go <laughs> ahead and enjoy your uh, your Moana or whatever the hell you watch nowadays. Yeah. Damn kids. Uh, Super Bowl. <laughs> First and foremost, game itself, because I feel like that's the least important thing to talk about. Uh, the Rams do win the Super Bowl. Seeing Stan Kroenke get the uh, Lombardi Trophy sucks, because that yeah. guy's a dickhead. Um, Matt Stafford, though, is a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. He's like 11th all-time in passing yards. He has a legitimate shot at making the Hall of Fame. I think it's cool as hell that Matt Stafford uh, won a Super Bowl. I think it's a uh, great story, and I'm also very entertained that it happened the year after he left the Lions. <laughs> Immediately, I know, leaves the Lions and wins the Super Bowl. Proof you can't. How have brutal is that? How brutal is that for Lions fans? I almost asked Deke Slayer if he could be on the show today to just talk about the fact that you know now, and it's what Lions fans already knew, but now all of us are like, oh yeah, you were right. If they didn't suck, what could they have done with Stafford, Calvin Johnson? Like, just God, how much yeah. did they waste? Oof. Big oof. I always used to um, think Stafford's just, you know, me- kind of mediocre, middle-of-the-line QB, like, because he was on yeah. that team. And 
Well, good enough to maybe get like a team to the playoffs, yeah. but not good enough to win a Super Bowl. And then he threw like what fifty touchdowns this year, and then wins the Super Bowl. Same. It's insanity. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. as well <laughs> really stuck it to the Cleveland Browns. Oh my god! Holy yeah. crap! It's a shame he tore his ACL or whatever in the game. Yeah, um, that was another tough god. one to see. Aaron Donald, who the broadcast the entire time are calling him like the greatest of all time in his position, and it's it's kind of difficult to argue looking at the resume. It seems like recency is bias, it? but it is a legitimate argument. Wait, is he an end or? Yeah. Oh, okay, I was like, what about Reggie fucking White? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's... Uh, He's a tackle, wasn't he? I mean, it's been No, a he, while. Was, he was the defensive was end, okay. and that's, yeah. I, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, Must and that's a name sap, then. that comes up, is you'll hear uh, the Reggie Whites okay. of the world and, and other people along those lines for, okay, who's who's the best ever in this regard? So, yeah, it's, it's always a, you know, a freaking... Oh, biased good conversation. For you. Oh my god, I forgot to turn off my alerts again. It's going to pop up on the uh, the video That's portion right. there for a second too. Who gets the shout out on today's episode? It is Fear Vitals. Thank you very fear much. Your vitals. For following. Fear my vitals. Uh, you're going to fear the vitals of people when their eardrums get blown out by that. My apologies. Good lord. Um <laughs> ridiculous. For for the Bengals, the number one topic is like, oh, they'll be back. Don't worry. Mm. Man, I don't know. I don't know. Because in the AFC, you have Josh Allen. You have Patrick Mahomes. You have Lamar Jackson. You have the best of the bunch, Mac Jones. There is so much competition at quarterback in the AFC. It is insanity. There is a chance that Joe Burrow could be back. Not to mention Justin Herbert, of course, for the Chargers. Uh, there is a chance Joe Burrow and the Bengals could be back. But, man, for as much as people are like, oh, yeah, well, uh, the Bengals and the, the Chiefs and new dynasties. And people are like so desperate for there to be new dynasties and to be able to make the Brady comparisons. We have seen how difficult it is to make it back, let alone make it to the Super Bowl in the first place, which is what makes what the Patriots and Tom Brady did so goddamn special that they were able to do it so consistently. And it's like the media is so used to that that that's the only narrative we know what how to make right now is, oh, well, they're going to be like the new Patriots. It's going to be great. It's like, no, that's, no one's going to yeah. do that again. It's crazy. Like, yeah, that, it's... The bar was set so high. I think I think what the people need to do is just appreciate it. Let it sit for a while. Like, stop trying to prop up the new one. Let's enjoy, like, I, you know, because you're right. I mean, we're probably not going to see that. And if we do, I mean, great. But why why try to, like, force that narrative and try to, you know, put someone up there? Like, if they're trying to, you know, put Mahomes up to that standard, that could be a lot of, you know, too much added pressure on the dude. Like, I thought for sure he was going to go back to the Super Bowl this year with the way things lined up. I'm like, ah, oh, the Bengals? I mean... Hmm. <laughs> I, I was like... They somehow you... made the Super Bowl with that defense and that offensive line. God, I felt bad. Yeah, poor Burroughs. Man, get him an offensive line. I think, you know, he could be back. But again, it's it's lightning in a bottle. How how many Super Bowls did Aaron Rodgers make? I mean... One. He was, yeah. And he won it. Great. But, like, One. look how tough it is to get back. And you could Drew, Drew Brees won mm -hmm. Super Bowl, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. These are great quarterbacks, like legacies. Matt Ryan won Super Bowl appearance, Oof. if I'm not mistaken. Like, it's insanity. Yeah. Like, those those three quarterbacks that we just named are three of the best quarterbacks of all what time. What about yeah, I believe they Brett have. Favre? 
Brett Favre. Let's talk about Brett Favre. You know, the, the thing about Brett Favre is... The thing about Brett he Favre wears, is... He wears those Wrangler jeans. Wrangler and, jeans. You know, when you're, you're you're sending a dick pic, you got it. <laughs> you got to get, get the angle. You got to get the, get the scope. Now, see, here's the guy where you look in this, and we circle the dong here, and you see that there's the angle, but if you go from the top-down view, <laughs> no, you got to go to the under view. Anyway. This, we um, can all tell this man uses Manscaped. <laughs> use promo code Togi. <laughs> the art of taking dick pics with John Madden. <laughs> <laughs> God, I miss John Madden Talk so of the much. walk with John Madden. Oh, God. God damn it. Rest in peace to a legend, John uh -huh. Madden. God damn. In terms of the Super Bowl, talking about the game, it is what it is. Let's be honest. The biggest talking point aside from the refs, which let's be honest, the refs always get it wrong. Neither one team yeah. has jobbed more than the other. Literally, the Rams... Gave up a touchdown on the opening drive of the second half because of the worst missed face mask I think I've ever seen. And then, yeah, there were some questionable calls on that final drive for the Rams to win it, including that missed false start. But at the end of the day, I think it all kind of came out in the wash. The Rams are the better team. They won the Super Bowl. The halftime show. Mm. Endo Mills. We will throw it to you first. Because obviously in talking about the Super Bowl itself, you don't give a shit about the football. Oh, I thought, I thought you were throwing because I'm black. <laughs> well, so is everyone out there. You should have just yeah. let it sit and let people make their conclusions, and then Tukey would be racist. It's great. There you go. Yeah. God. <laughs> Speaking of all that one dude on Twitter, that was hilarious. Yeah, so I uh, I was called a racist by a, uh, a burner account because I thought that the Super Bowl halftime show was like a seven or eight. Ladies and 10. gentlemen, Prince is not black. Ladies and gentlemen, Prince <laughs> is not black. Exactly. So I said that I thought it was like a 7 or 8 out of 10 and that I still thought Prince had the best halftime show ever. And I was deemed a racist, which is hilarious. And then I quote tweet saying the truth has finally come out. <laughs> <laughs> how, how like Endo to fan the flames. Yeah, of oh course. It's God. me. So, okay, go my, on. again, this halftime show, I didn't mind. Here's my issue with it. Now, I respect, like, what it meant for, like, literally a, a legend of the genre in Dr. Dre to be leading the charge on this. He paid for most of it. By the way, what's up with that? The past two halftime shows, like, The weekend paid, like, $5 million out of pocket. Dre paid, like, 7 or $8 million out of pocket to put this on the way he wanted to put it on. Mm. It's really weird. Um, but, like, again, for what it meant, I respect the hell out of that and understand the importance of what this was. The performance itself, I am sorry, but like Snoop Dogg does nothing for me. I respect the fact that he is a legend. I still like a lot of his music. I listen to a lot of his music because I'm a white kid from New England. I grew up listening to a lot of that because why wouldn't I? <laughs> but Snoop Dogg, it's one of those how can I miss you if you don't go away? And Snoop Dogg has been everywhere yeah. for my entire fucking life. He has never gone away ever. Whereas with Dr. Dre, you know, and at times he's been kind of off to the sideline. You know, he's been there, but he hasn't been out there. Snoop Dogg, respect to the fucking guy, does everything. He makes all the money in the world because he will put his name and his face wherever. I'm pretty sure he's done collaborations with fucking Kids Bop, for God's sakes. Like, he just doesn't go away. So seeing him perform doesn't really do too much for me personally. Eminem, it's kind of the same thing. Like, again, white kid from Maine who grew up in the, you know, who was a kid in the late 90s, early 2000s. 
I'm still burned out on Eminem. I got to be honest. I, and he's not the only one. Like, I'm burned out on the likes of, like, Linkin Park because they were just so goddamn popular and everywhere. And it, they just never really kind of went away in terms of that pop, you know, in terms of that popularity that it's just, eh. And then you have 50 Cent hanging upside down, which is funny. And Lord knows I laughed for the next five minutes straight and had to rewatch the halftime show because I missed a lot of it through my tears. But at the same time, like, again, grew up like, my God, if I didn't play the 50 Cent video games or watch the goddamn movie two dozen times. But I don't know. I thought it was good. I still look at, like, the Prince halftime show and I'm like, that motherfucker played Purple Rain in a torrential downpour. You can't top it. Yeah, That's agreed. It. It, was a, it was a good show. Um... The one thing I do like is them bringing Anderson Pack out for the drums because he's like by far like the most talented musician right now is Anderson Pack. He does fucking everything. And um, like back up to the, the rest of the show. Um, the one thing I did like about 57 being upside down is he pulled himself up there. Everyone chirped him for being upside down, but he's like what? Everyone fit- chirped him for being overweight. God forbid. Do you like, see literally like- all of us did like? Yeah, <laughs> I am. Like, I am heavier than I was when I graduated high school. For damn sure, that man's like fifty. He's he's <laughs> 50. Fi- he's forty six for fuck's sake, right? Like a guy who's forty six and apparently that big is what I'm saying. Pulls himself up on the fucking bar as if no issue whatsoever, and just goes immediately to singing. Like, like that right there was just like, what that like is a tank, absolute yeah. tank. Uh, another thing too is um, people were giving Snoop Dogg, uh, Do Double G, the man himself, Snoop Lion. They're giving him shit for smoking <laughs> weed. No, they're not. They're just looking for something to get outraged at, man. They're not really pissed. It's just let's right. milk everyone's hatred towards this halftime show by showing a guy smoking weed in a state where it's legal. Who everyone fucking knows he smokes weed and he has it's. <laughs> It's the smartest thing in the world, right? Because then you'll have people who are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Going head to head in the comments. Exactly. It's all about the people who are like, what a scumbag Snoop Dogg is. So literally, it's just baiting people into arguments in the comments for the sake of engagement. Yeah. That's all it is. Some people actually didn't understand that. And like, I'm like, Snoop Dogg admitted to smoking up in the fucking White House. In the White House. And he's like, you know, it's like, you smoked up in the White House? Like, nah, you know, we cool with it. You know, I was in the bathroom. There's someone go by, just someone come by and put that, put that shit out. I'm like, what a fucking baller! That guy does whatever he wants. And they're like, oh, this <laughs> arena, like you can't smoke in there. It's like, you sure about that? They say you can't, but you still can. What they gonna do? Kick Snoop Dogg out? No. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we had to cancel Snoop Dogg's performance. Uh, he was caught smoking marijuana in the bathroom. That bur- that building would be burned down. Yeah. <laughs> that building would smell like more kush than before. <laughs> in spite. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just takes the blunt out of their pocket just for Snoop. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're in L.A. Like, it's it's uh-huh. there. It's just There's there. probably a dealer outside when you get your ticket in. It gives you a little, gives you a little like, gives you like a gram. <laughs> Because of how much you're paying for the ticket already. <laughs> Here's your honorary Super Bowl branded Graham. There you go. <laughs> oh my god. So hey, I enjoyed it. It was pretty. Uh, it was pretty fun. I, I thought, thought the was Super Bowl great. was pretty decent. I thought I loved the halftime show. I mean, we already kind of yeah. had a brief conversation about it on Twitter about kind of you know the impact that I thought it had from you know from a pure musician standpoint. As I did go back and watch like the Prince one, the Paul McCartney one, because it's like it's hard to you know say like. 
you know, I initially said, like, oh, yeah, this one was fucking great because, you know, recency bias and whatnot. Um, for me, like, yeah, probably from the musician standpoint, I have to agree. The Prince of the Paul, Paul McCartney one is, like, the best musicianship performance. But mm-hmm. what did it for me, like I kind of explain, is that, you know, it's it was these legends of modern hip hop in the place where modern hip hop was born, you know, where, mm-hmm. where all they were from, like homegrown dude, besides obviously Marshall. Um, and I mean, 50 cents from New York, too. But yeah. that's very yeah. true. Yeah. But like he was like discovered by, I think, Eminem and Dre and they, you know, signed him and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's kind of what to me, like, that's what like is the big part of music is it's the cultural impacts that it has on society. It's the, it's the way that it hits you. It's more like, it's more than just music and that's how it is for a lot of people. So that's kind of the way I looked at it and where I would rank it much higher than like a seven out of 10, like probably like nine out of 10 for me because of that. Mm -hmm. And you know, uh, obviously, yeah, I mean, there's a couple like Kendrick being there was like, Hey, Probably to to market to the younger crowd, but also yeah. the the dudes coming out of boxes around him made up for whatever confusion I had about him being there. <laughs> that was dope as shit. I was very confused and uh, like it was really sick. Obviously, Mary J. Blige, incredible. Dude, voice. she was great. Dude. Just yeah. in terms of like her vocal oh. range and control, she's unreal. Oh, like, still got in it. In terms of a in terms of a vocal performance, mm-hmm. she was. I mean, obviously, yeah. so far above yeah. everybody else. There, it was insane. Then, I mean, uh, well, Kendrick Lamar is kind of in that same class, or at least close. Like, you know, I'm not he's the most great. familiar with Kendrick. Oh, he's but he's like an in terms of his fucking lyricist, control yeah. and vocal range and just his performance. I mean, yeah, he was up there yeah. too. For um, sure. And so, the last thing I want to say is like. There's all that speculation on, you know, Eminem kneeling. Not going to get into that because it could go either way for Tupac, for whatever. But I will say that's pretty much probably a thing that they were like, hey, you know, Mr. Andre, please don't say still not loving police. And it's like, (laughs) of course he's going to say it. Number one, he's, you know, the man was in NWA. You know, like, what do you expect? Also, you know, they're. He's going to do whatever he wants. That's probably why he paid some of that money so he could do whatever he wants, say F you. And Mm. I really appreciated that, especially in a place with, uh, you know, one of the most corrupt uh, law enforcement departments, plural, because the sheriff's is Uh very corrupt there. Even worse than the PD. I saw a headline. Well, not a headline, but there was an article on Reddit. I'm sorry to interrupt. Like, literally, there's like over 20 well-known gangs, like, organized within the LAPD. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, known that Sheriff's these officers are a part yeah. of uh, literally, yeah, it's insanity. Like, it's still a thing as much as it was when NWA started. Mm-hmm. It's insanity. Yeah. And that, so, that's why no. it's important to keep saying those things. And that's why, you know, don't, like, always, always poke the bear in that scenario because it makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. I will say the Eminem kneeling thing, I'm just a fan of for the sole purpose of, uh, <laughs> white people being like well i'm not mad because he didn't yeah. do it during the anthem uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> or the people oh my god are the people like there wasn't enough diversity or eminem was mm-hmm. the only good part i'm like you guys are really telling on yourselves man or the or the oh, dude i'm not even gonna name him everyone knows who the fuck he is he's uh-huh. a little man baby <laughs> um this was the most sexualized sexual anarchy super bowl halftime show like motherfucker we had Shakira and J Lo twerking for a solid ten seconds together. Bro, we saw Janet <laughs> Where Jackson's were you? tit like a decade ago. Like, are they like, are they light enough want? skinned for you? Like, holy shit! Oh my god. Well, no, Shakira is Shakira. He was mesmerized by the tongue thing, so he doesn't remember. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about that. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> for our we'll uh, talk our, about yeah for audio a Super Bowl moment. God. <laughs> so good. Every year there's great memes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this year it has oh. a lot to do with 50 hanging upside down and I like it, that. It really does. <laughs> like that that it kid really sitting does. in the classroom like like it's like 50 waiting for all they did was flip that meme upside down and said 50 waiting for his cue to come on stage and it's just that kid like holding his breath. Oh my god. <sighs> it's it, god, the memes are always the best. Yeah. We will move on from the football talk. We will spare you all. It is a hockey podcast primarily, but as well, I mean, hey, we're getting back in the swing of things. However, we still have other viewer questions. And uh we go from football to wrestling. This comes from Mr. BBG, one of the finest streamers on earth. The big news today in the wrestling world is that Cody Rhodes of AEW All Elite Wrestling. Endo, I don't know what the hell your background's doing, but it's going to give me a damn seizure. Uh, <laughs> Cody Rhodes <laughs> sorry, of AEW has apparently left. He was one of essentially the founders of the company, and it looks like he's leaving potentially. And BBG asks what happens next. The only, I, you know, in terms of conversation, we don't have to have it. Uh, Sin knows of AEW. He is not an outright fan. No. He is a fan of Dan House. Yes. Endo kind of, <laughs> sort of knows. Yeah. We don't have to have the biggest wrestling thing. But there was a comment that I saw on Reddit that sums this up perfectly. Cody Rhodes could be standing on the second rope, lifting the WWE world title above his head, underneath the WrestleMania 43 sign with Pyro going off and commentators, commentators screaming, and I would still wonder, okay, when is he going back to AEW? How is this, how is this a work, and how are, we, how are we getting played as an audience? I'll wait to see what happens, and then mm-hmm. I'll comment on it from there. If he does leave, it's kind of fucking weird. Uh, if he doesn't leave, it's still kind of weird <laughs> at the same time, but that's wrestling. That's the perfect way to sum it up. Wrestling is kind of weird. Yeah. And that's why it's great. That's why I bought tickets to AEW Dynamite in Boston this April. I'm very much looking forward to it. Those tickets sold out fucking fast, by the way, or at least close to it. I barely got half-decent seats. Goddamn. So, looking forward to that. Oh, man. If anybody's going to that, by the way, I'll I'll see you this April. Come say hi. If there's one thing I like about that segue, it's just, just like... An average uh, football player to to wrestling, we segued from that as well because half of the guys in the I think I quoted <laughs> I think I had a tweet like last week and it was like pro wrestling is just like the football kids who really liked drama class. Like that's, that's basically what it was. <laughs> Some instances, yeah. Also, why is there so much crossover with hockey fans and wrestling fans? I, I first I noticed it when I would notice you know obviously TBC doing the the wrestling. And hockey mm-hmm. videos constantly, mm-hmm. and then I, as I looked at it more, I'm like, "There's a lot of crossover with that. What the hell's with that?" Man's throwing hands. Know. That's it. Man's throwing hands. <laughs> yeah, I don't have an explanation for that. Uh, for that. Uh, for that crossover there, but it's true. We will move on to the hockey talk. This question comes from Cam. It's not really a question. It's more of a statement. Uh, talk or a request. Talk about Yuramir Yager and his legacy now that he is fifty. You it think is Yuramir you Yager's... fucking pay our paychecks, Cam? Telling us what to talk <laughs> about on this podcast. You don't know me. <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> nice Mrs. Pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is oh already my, my favorite God. episode so far. Yuramir Yager is fifty years old today, gentlemen. And is still actively playing uh, for Kladno mm. in the Czech Republic. Of course, his uh, childhood team, essentially. Uh, 
I mean, what is there to say, though, about Yuramir Yager that has not already been said? He is one of the most recognizable faces in hockey history. He is one of the best players in hockey history. Who knows where he'd be on the all-time scoring list if he did not go back uh, to the uh, what was at the time the Russian Super League. I mean, again, he left following the 2008 season and played three years in Russia uh, with Avangard Omsk. Who knows where he would have been? Because at that point, he was still a 40-50 point guy in the KHL, Mm -hmm. and they have a significantly shorter season than we have in the NHL. He is one of the best damn players of all time. Again, it's still a you know there, there's been some talk about why he, you know, is continuing to play, but he is the majority owner of Kladno. So I mean, again, he's he's got the vested interest to make sure that team doesn't go under. And there was talk about oh his dad and just to tie in with that team. But I mean, Jesus, like does the resume not speak for itself in terms of what was it? Two Stanley Cups, of course, with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He basically won everything there ever was to win, and he's still playing. It's insanity. He's one of the... If someone said, in their opinion, they think Yermir Yager is the best hockey player of all time, there's at least a discussion. Yeah. You can't just immediately dismiss it. And I think that speaks for itself. Yeah. My point that I would make is just to, to kind of show what kind of legacy is, what kind of player he is, I'd ask you know anyone, okay, define... Like, thinking in terms of, like, NHL. Like, define his archetype. What is he? Power forward, playmaker, sniper. Mm-hmm. He could be literally <laughs> any of them, and that he's... to me is really what makes a good player. You know, on top of obviously the stats. When you think about that, when he is undefinable in his playing style, I think that's how you know he created something new. He was a cut above the rest. Yeah, I think if, if you look at it that way, I think he is like the true like definition of a all-around player you you get him in a task you can get it done like completely like he's still 50 he's still got the hands that's i mean the he thing did too. it in his 40s in the nhl too that's the yeah. crazy part like he was sick in florida man he was outscoring rookies when he was yeah. in his 40s that's that's insane Absolutely ridiculous. Yermir Yager, again, I don't think we have to sit here for too long and, and hype up yeah. <laughs> one of the greatest players of all time, but a happy birthday to Mr. Yager. Go bang a Russian model. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about that. Like, only Yermir Yager could have like that instance where he's like, I'm not married, I don't have kids, I'm gonna sleep with someone half my age yeah. who was apparently the ex-girlfriend of someone on the national team. Oh yeah, that was, that was, kind of, <laughs> like, that was just, a little rough, but... Eh. Maybe, maybe the kid was all was all happy about that. He's like, "Fuck yeah, my ex was good enough for Yager. <laughs> I'm doing well." <laughs> Jesus. This next question comes from Craze. What are some hard truths that a lot of NHL fans don't want to admit? I.e., QC and Hartford aren't getting another team. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's rough. <laughs> One, all right, a hard truth that a lot of people don't want to admit. I feel like there's a lot of possibilities here yeah. just in terms about what the ceiling is for NHL in general in North America compared to the other sports. I feel like that's a hard truth for a lot of people to accept. Um, man, that's a, that's a tough one, though. 
It's a tough one because it's like, okay, do you go in terms of something like that in hockey's popularity? Do you go in uh, along the lines of like, oh, yeah, something like uh, a certain region? I mean, as much as he threw out QC, I, like Hartford, I mean, I almost want to say Atlanta, but Atlanta's more likely to get a team than Hartford at this point, easily. Yeah. Just because Atlanta's so damn big. So, I mean, the Hartford, like Quebec City. Here's the problem. If the NHL were to expand beyond 32 teams, and there's nothing stopping them, there's nothing stopping them from expanding again, and I'm sure they will. Uh, obviously, we all kind of know the, the common shouts, whether it be you know Atlanta getting another shot, Quebec City, Kansas City, Houston. Like Basically, just look at the biggest cities in the U.S. and where they don't really have much representation. Milwaukee, for God's sakes. Obviously, the arena's good enough to maintain the Bucks. I don't know if that arena could easily uh, be switched over uh, for ice. I don't remember... If that is where the Milwaukee Admirals play or not, if or if they have their own arena, and they do have their own arena, uh, they play on the college campus at the University of Milwaukee, apparently. So, you know, I'm not, I'm I'm not sure. I feel like it's a it's a rather hard question. And the silence agrees. Well, no, I mean, sorry, I'm just I'm, I'm just to let laugh- go. I'm just laughing about it. We got tagged in a, twi- in a in a post by part of my take saying all podcasts have the same three people hosting it. And it's like three people, three people from like Disney, Disney things, and everyone's uh-huh. like, "Which one's Endo?" And they're everyone who's tagged this point. <laughs> so I'm like, "Oh boy." Anyways, but yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, for what would what would be a better uh, what what's the one that's something that people want to admit? Like, QC is never gonna happen. That's that's a fact. I just don't think it's gonna happen with the same market size and everything. Because if I just I just don't see it. That Gary Bettman is making the right choice by not moving the Arizona Coyotes. There's your hard truth. Oh my God! Bam. Do we have them? Bam. Do we have the the Coyotes on a docket at all or no? Uh, no, we don't. That's the only time we're going to mention them. Today. Okay. Can I mention one? The only thing I'm going to mention. Yeah, no, I'm, f- I'm going to cut you off, and the podcast will be awkward. S- yes, mention it. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> Thirty-five hundred is the now confirmed seating for that new arena. Because they need to add the expansions for the NHL, make it NHL ready. So it went from 5,000 seats because they need an extra 1,500 removed, 3,500 for an NHL team to play in. Now, a lot of people are comparing this to what happened to Calgary back in the 80s. But the difference is that Calgary was able to sell that out regardless because they were still a good team at the time. They're gonna sell out thirty five hundred. They're going to I fucking hope so. <laughs> They're go if they don't, then I will change my stance. They're going to. Again, we've talked about it forever and ever. Amen. You look at the the layout of the Phoenix area, and everybody knows. Like essentially, unless you're an NFL team like the Cardinals, being on the west side isn't going to help. They are literally going to be on a college campus. There are kids who are going to go. There are. And then there's the regular people who are going to go. And I get the idea of like, oh, well, the Coyotes Stadium always looks so empty. That's because it's a gigantic stadium. You have people packed into a third. It's going to be full. It is. I would be absolutely stunned if it's not. Fingers crossed. Either of you have a hard truth or we'll leave it at the Coyotes. Because honestly, that's that's a question you got to kind of put some thought into. And uh, yeah. unless you just want to outright troll. Well, I mean, I, there's a lot of things that's. Um, some of the NHL fans maybe don't want to admit. Um, technology. 
is is going to be the reason that hitting's taken out of the game. It's not because the, the game is going soft. It's because of the technology, which makes people fly into other people with their pads. It doesn't hurt to hit people. You fly into them. It's not the fact that like it's it's becoming more dangerous. It's not becoming more safe, and that's because of the protective equipment. And that's a lot of people I think don't realize is that's the reason why these hits are so brutal is because people are flying, you know, 30 miles an hour into someone else and it, they don't feel anything back in the day. That, that shit hurt. But with the pads yeah. and stuff that you have now, you crush into someone, you don't feel shit. They get whiplash to hell. So the, it's and that's really what does most of the concussions. I think these days the head contact is there, but I think there's a lot of micro concussions that are happening from whiplash alone. And that's going to come mm-hmm. out probably in about a decade or so. And eventually, I think there might not be hitting kind of out there. Yeah, there might not be hitting in this game. And we're going to have to deal with that as NHL fans. And you're going to have to realize the reason for that and not try to blame something that fits a different bias that you may have. Eventually, the argument becomes, well, is it even hockey at that point? Or do you just accept that it is what it is? And I think eventually it would have to come down to almost a lawsuit mm-hmm. of the NHL saying, if you're going to be in our league, you have to accept the consequences of this is the standard of the game mm-hmm. and this can happen and we're not liable. Yeah. Um, it's it Basically, the way it is right now, it's going to evolve mm-hmm. because the NHL is going to have to make sure that they can't be found liable if someone gets killed, essentially. Yeah. Which, it's honestly not out of the question. We are fragile, fragile human beings. And I hate to bring this up, but it is what it is. We got word last week about how Bob Saget died. I mean, granted, he is an older man at the time. He's in his 60s. But the guy somehow fell and hit his head and was like, oh, fuck, my head hurts. I'm going to go to bed. Oh, fuck, my head hurt was enough to kill him. And it doesn't take a 65-year-old man for that to happen to, even if you have a helmet on. Someone gets crushed, their head whiplashes into the, the dasher. That can do it. Subdural hematoma. That can yeah. do it. You get a yeah. subdural hematoma, you're, and you don't, again, it just can feel like a horrible fucking Like, headache. dude, fuck, Rich Peverly, what was it, a heart attack on the bench out of nowhere that ended his career? God, I hate yeah. how people talk about this, by the way. And then he asked to go back in, yay, hockey players. It's like, like, he was probably out of it as he was just resuscitated. Like, he probably didn't understand what just happened. Like, stop with this whole toughness thing with the hot. There's that. That's another thing. That sort of thing is so, so dangerous. And I've been Hmm. bitched out a lot for having that opinion on uh, certain social medias. But, like, that toughness culture of hockey is probably its own worst enemy. Oh, for sure. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Yeah. Like, especially, like, cardio stuff, cardiovascular stuff like that. Like I've I've said on this podcast that I developed myocarditis. If I kept playing hockey and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna fight through or whatever, I could have died. Right? Like, so imagine like yeah. something like if if he came back in the game, he could have, he probably would be dead because your your heart's not used to that kind of stuff. And like yeah, coming off a heart he, attack, like that's yeah, <laughs> not just my heart being like, hey, it's doing a fucky wucky. Like your heart's like trying to kill you, like basically. Last question is from Cody, and it will transition us to some of our other talking points today. Should Olympic hockey teams be allowed to play players born in other countries that have their country's citizenship, or should they have to play for those that they were actually born in, i.e. Andrei Burakovsky playing for Sweden despite being born in Austria? Uh, in terms of where you're born, it doesn't necessarily dictate your nationality, right? William Nylander's Swedish. He was born in Calgary, was he not? Because yeah. his dad was playing in Calgary at the time. He is Swedish. That's it. Now, if you want to say they have the option to play for either, sure. 
And I'm cool with that in a, in a general sense. Like, I find that to be far more acceptable to say, hey, you're Brett Hall. If you want to play for Canada, if you want to play for the U.S., whatever. I don't really think there's too much of an issue with that. I will say it is a bit weird that, that Chris Chelios' son, Jake, is, is playing for Team China. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, that that's where it gets a bit weird, where you have, what was it, Nigel Dawes played for Kazakhstan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's where it gets a little bit weird, you know? Uh, but in terms of people having to play based off of where they were born, then you're just being like, okay, if you're the son of a hockey player, you better hope you were born in the right country. Like, that, nah, that's too much. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It's, borders are just fucking lines, man. <laughs> basically yeah <laughs> yeah so i had a take on this too um i was talking about this with Stephen ellis a uh, friend of the show uh writes for the hockey news uh, he was talking about the canadian uh, not the canadian but the chinese national team which is essentially a canadian american national team and how they're the ice time being distributed between the national like the nationalization players and the chinese born players is staggering you have guys on here i'm not sure people can see on your screen over here but you have guys who are like actively playing, who are active on there, who have less than 10 minutes played over the course of like six games, like in total ice time. Mm. And I believe in the last game that they just played, we're going to talk about where Canada beat them 7-4, 7, it was 7-1 or 7-2. We'll get to it later. But they had players who only played 10, 10 seconds of time in mm. the game itself. Now, this also goes back to them developing their program and using the Kulin Red Star, and we could have a whole different debate on that. What they're doing right now is not developing their program or not developing hockey in general whatsoever because you're giving these mm. fresh-born talent who are here from your country not enough time to develop or learn any skills whatsoever against real-world real talent in the, in the Olympics. Sure, it's great and all. It's good for them to get some experience and all that, but when you're, you're, your homebred team in Kulun has been dead last every single year they've been a franchise in the KHL and they don't even play inside of like Kunlun itself. They play in, in Moscow. It, it's like, is your nationalization program actually doing anything good for you? Like the one time I would say it's a good thing is Nigel Dawes was Canadian born, Canadian born Jamaican. So Greek didn't talk about it as well too. One of my favorite players. He is the fourth highest scoring forward, actually skater in the KHL all time. And he mm -hmm. played for, Akibars uh, Kazan uh, and developed naturalization for Kazakhstan and played for a national team on several occasions. That's that's yeah. perfectly awesome. Like that's a talented player. I still like, think that's weird though to just be like, well, you're playing for our team for seven years in Kazakhstan, and now we're gonna just be like, okay, you know, like I get it. Like the idea of he lived in Kazakhstan for seven years, so mm -hmm. he can play for the Kazakhstan team. It's not the most egregious thing in the world, but at the same time. I mean, then, then there's the argument of are you developing your program mm -hmm. by letting your young, letting your actual like Kazakhstani-born talent play alongside someone as talented as Nigel Dawes, or are you taking away an opportunity? It's just that's very true. It's it's a whole conversation. Then that also brings up FIFA and their regulations, where like if you have to have two years playing a certain region, they go play somewhere else as well. Because there are a lot of people who go for the Welsh program, who then end up qualifying for the English program and qualify the whole mm -hmm. entire of the UK. It, it's a whole different argument as well. And like I, if you're developing it to help these people grow, then sure, yeah. If these people aren't taking all the ice time up, then I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. That's awesome. But when 95% of your squad is taking up all the time, they're not even like ch like Chinese born or nation born, and they aren't really doing anything to help out whatsoever, 
I don't see a benefit to the program whatsoever. And I know this was all started because China had a revelation like someone in the early 2010s about our, not, our winter sports program sucks. Let's do better. And their idea was to grab talent and just bring it from naturalization. I mean, that's great in the short term, but you're not developing stuff for the future. That's a good point. But I mean, do you use the Olympics to develop? I feel like the Olympics is not really for development. It's for recognition and like spreading the word. I think development comes in all the time between the Olympics. So hopefully they're doing yeah. shit to develop between that. But yeah, like you said, it's a good short term to bring people over. But yeah. Mm -hmm. That does bring us into talking about the Olympics today and just kind of the update that's going around. We'll start off, of course, on the women's side where surprise, surprise. Canada and the U.S. will be the final mm -hmm. on Thursday. Um, it's what we all knew was coming. They are the two best programs in the world, hands down. We knew this. It's just a matter of who's going to win. Of course, four years ago, the U.S. did win. Uh, shout out to Maddie Rooney. Stole the show. I don't know how this one's going to go, but I am very, very much looking forward to this game. I think, again, it's yeah. going to be fantastic, and it's kind of the game that we were all waiting for. Yeah, I love it. I love women's hockey, especially in the finale. It's just got so much electricity to it. And yeah, they're for like, I don't know what it is. There's, it's just, it's just such a good game. And it's almost like when you expect it to happen, it feels that much better it would, yeah. in a weird way. I don't know. This is, this is the main event of Olympic hockey this year mm -hmm. yeah. because of the lack of NHL involvement. This is the biggest game that will be played. Let's be honest. Again, the men's side of things is obviously not as much interest. Uh, this is fantastic. This, it's going to be a tremendous game. It is, again, the pinnacle of Olympic hockey for this Olympic cycle. I am obviously backing the U.S. to win, but uh, there's a very good chance that Canada could uh, regain the gold. Yeah. Certainly. <laughs> Fingers crossed for Endo Mills. Yeah. In terms... Of the men's game, though, uh, we're in the quarterfinal stage, or at least have just moved on from the quarterfinal stage. Uh, Slovakia beat Germany 4 to nothing. Of course, Germany were the ones that made it to the gold medal game four years ago before losing to the totally not Russians. Uh, Canada beat China 7-2. to two. two goals for China against Canada. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, the one thing I want to say about that game, too, is Jeremy Smith has had an absolutely insane performance this tournament. Um, he unfortunately mm -hmm. got injured in the first period, um, I believe, after one of the goals. Uh, I guarantee you that there are some AHL teams looking at him right now because if it was not for him, like after the first period before he went down, it was 2 nothing. I think it was either 2 nothing mm -hmm. or 2 one for Canada. Like He kept that team in the whole entire time. Uh, gave them a fighting chance, but after he was gone, like they had to put Paris O'Brien, and he did not do any. I won't say any favors. That's kind of rude, but he was just out of his element completely. Um, fingers crossed that Jeremy Smith does get healthy uh, because he does rock Warrior gear, and I love Warrior gear, and uh, he does too. Uh, but it's unfortunate. Yeah. Jeremy Smith is a veteran goaltender, too. He played for the Bruins once upon a time. So, yeah, I could see him getting a spot. Switzerland, or as I wrote on our sheet, Switzerlander, uh, beat the uh, beat the Czechs, beat Czechia 4-2. Denmark, 3-2 over Latvia. No, uh, no Latvian dream this time yeah. out. We're still waiting for that Latvian gold medal run. <laughs> if they had Rudolph like they Bolsers, they would have done it. God damn it. Yeah. So it sets the stage then for the next round where we have the United States playing Slovakia, 
where hopefully the U.S. get the win there. I mean, obviously against Slovakia, 4 nothing over Germany, yeah. they're looking pretty good, but the U.S. has looked pretty good as well so far this tournament, so a little bit worried uh, for that particular matchup. And Sweden plays Canada, which is also a bit of a tough matchup for Canada, you know, even if it's NHL involvement or not, these are, you know, Interesting matchups for both the U.S. and Canada, but it does set the stage. If both were to win, we would see a rematch. Of course, the U.S. beat the Canadians for the first time in 12 years uh, in the group stage portion. But if we were to get U.S. and Canada for the men's side, it would be in the semifinal. Uh, the other two matchups, Finland and Switzerland and Russia against Denmark. So Russia, you know, Denmark getting what their first win ever. Yeah. Earlier in this tournament in the group stage, uh, they make it here as well after beating Latvia. But I mean, Russia or Finland, maybe Switzerland. But I mean, if the Russians win and Switzerland upsets the Finns, like the Russians are just like, well, back to the gold medal game with us. Yeah. Like, come on now. So uh, if I had to guess, it's going to be the winner of U.S. or Canada against uh, against. Uh, Russia in the final at this rate. That's kind of what it's shaping up to be. There are a couple of teams, Sweden, Finland, could play spoiler, but it's really what it's looking like. So, we shall see what happens. Watch the Olympics. It's pretty good hockey. Or, you can watch Evander Kane's return to San Jose. <laughs> no, don't do that. Not recommend. <laughs> <laughs> the Oilers last night shut out the Sharks 3 to nothing. Stuart Skinner's first NHL shutout. Evander Kane was booed every time he touched the puck. Sin, your thoughts on his return to San Jose? I mean, yeah. it. I guess it played out as you expected. The Sharks lost, which is at this point in the season probably good for us. Um, Evander Kane getting booed every time he touched the puck. <sighs> I have mixed feelings on that kind of stuff. I, I, I yeah. you know, I like it when it's like a guy like Chris Pronger. When he would always or like Subban in Montreal, although you kind of hope a lot of people don't have racist intentions. Yeah, like, well, that. I liked it. But I, I always think did, of Chris sure. Pronger because every time Chris Pronger touched the fucking puck when he was in our building, he'd get booed. Know why? Because he was good. And he was so, so mm. good. He, you know, he, he killed us like like a lot. Like he was he was that kind of player. He got booed all the time. This one is like. Yeah, it sucked. He broke protocol and stuff like that. But, like, it wasn't really hockey reasons why he got kicked out, like, why he left the team. So, I don't know. Booing him is just – I'm torn on it. And, obviously, I'm not an Evander Kane advocate, as we have known on this show. I, I just don't mm – -hmm. it didn't sit right with me, and I can't really put my finger on it. It just comes off as maybe a little bit petty. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not a hockey reason. Like – Justice is fucking, he's not here anymore. Like, just move on. Let's not start chanting. And, uh, you know, we don't need you and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I, that's, that's how I view it as well. I totally understand the, your viewpoint on that. The, unless Endo has any thoughts, I want to talk about the Buffalo Sabres. Um, uh, I'll make you hold off on the Sabres for a bit. Uh, okay. I think I get why they're probably upset, considering how much of an idiot he was for that decision to mm -hmm. do what he did. Um, and I guess because being also the him being a locker room cancer and having him out there still going to boo him. Uh, but end of the day, like you since said, like you said, move on. 
uh, he's in a he's in a worse place now uh, with Edmonton. So like we don't have to worry about him anymore. <laughs> That's the best feeling. Don't fucking yeah. worry yourself over it. Like is he like does he count to the cap hit at all whatsoever or no? Nope. No, nope. nope. and that's one of the weirdest goddamn things that's ever happened. That should be a bigger story that the NHL has successfully just gone. Well, it's not the first time. Yeah, what happened that, to the so. appeal, again, dude? I, again, I, I'm off of dude, Twitter for so the most part. The but. Sharks were allowed, if I'm not mistaken, and someone correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm not mistaken, the Sharks were allowed to cut him because of the apparent incident over vaccination status and what happened, and like they were essentially like, oh, well, this incident happened with the Vander Kane. So we're allowed to get rid of him due to the violation of AHL protocols when it comes to COVID. But then the appeal was made and it came out that he didn't do anything, or at least there was no extra punishment or whatever. And now, if I'm not mistaken, if it was he didn't do anything, the Sharks shouldn't have been allowed to cut him mm-hmm. because he didn't do anything. It wasn't quite like that. It was, there's this extra thing of like, the, the whole thing was like, uh, would he, should he get paid or not? Because did he do this like trip to BC? But he still violated protocol on the NHL team and the AHL team outside yeah. of that trip to BC, I think, or whatever. So that is, I think, where the confusion came from. I could be wrong, but to my to my understanding of that situation, he violated protocol probably a bunch in on the AHL team, like in different ways. But like that trip to BC, they couldn't prove that like everything in his entire but at the same time the sharks were able to terminate his contract for quote breach of his nhl standard player contract and for violation of the protocols which means that he didn't get found yeah but it was found that he didn't violate them right no it was found that uh he he wasn't in he didn't it was it was the bc accusation i think when he went to bc right well that was the that was the break of protocol. But I think the, there was another trip. one in AHL, like him going out of his hotel and stuff like that and going out on town, like violating team, like t- uh, mm. and maybe even county protocols. I don't know. Basically, it's, it's it's weird. It's a with the Sharks, dare I say, it's a bit fishy. Uh, but yeah, they were able to. Uh, I think it's just he's a good player and the NHL's like, all right, we'll let him play. They were able to get out from underneath the deal. He has no attachment to the Sharks whatsoever. He is now just outright an Edmonton Oiler. That's it. And the f- I don't it's think a- we have to pay him either, like Mike Richards. No. No, nothing. Which is hilarious. He's, I, he's, he's just done. Yeah. Like, what happened to the NHLPA? I don't know. It's a weird situation, and there's a lot more to it than we'll probably ever realize. But hey. It's weird. The Buffalo Sabres played the Montreal Canadiens the other night. Jeff Skinner scored four goals. Now, I know what you're saying. It's Montreal. And you're right. It is Montreal. But Jeff Skinner scored four goals, and this comes from Joe Yerdon, Yerdon, uh, perhaps, on Twitter. Jeff Skinner has 20 goals this season now in 45 games. He had 21 goals in his last 112 games before that. Jeff Skinner is, if not back, he's getting much, much closer to what was expected of him when he signed Mm -hmm. that contract extension with Buffalo. And a a big part of it, granted, he's only come back recently, but this is from Buffalo Sabres stats. Alex Tuck had three assists on four of the uh, Jeff Skinner goals. Uh, Only his second career three-assist game and fourth career three-point game. Tuck has 17 points in 15 games for the Sabres. Not bad. As bad of a decision as it was 
to trade Jack Eichel, and we are about to talk about that. That's why I put Buffalo first. But as bad of a decision as it was to just completely blow the Jack Eichel conversation, a reminder of what the Sabres got for him, it was Jack Eichel and a conditional third-round pick in 2023. And that Vegas uh, conditional pick, the conditions on that happened to be if Vegas's first round pick in the 2020 draft is top 10, LOL it won't be, then Buffalo would give their third round pick next year anyway. So it is Jack Eichel and a third for Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, a conditional first and second. As much as we looked at that return, I think people are finding out how good Alex Tuck is. And Peyton Krebs already looked really good before getting injured. And the Sabres are getting draft picks out of it. They did okay. At least on paper, right now, we'll see what happens with those draft picks. They did okay. Uh, that Vegas conditional first, they get a first-round pick no matter what. And that second-round pick, they get that no matter what as well. So it is Tuck, Krebs, a first and a second for Eichel. It's honestly not that bad. No, I mean... I wasn't convinced that Tuck would be a bona fide top six guy. And I may be eating my words. Um, maybe it's true he wasn't gonna get he wasn't getting the shots in Vegas as he could. I always like I'm like, this guy's middle six. I just didn't think he had it. So far, so good for the Sabres. We'll have to see about Krebs. I'm not again, I'm not sold on him either. I think maybe two C, but what I like, again, I'll always say this, I like what the Sabres did simply because they're going to recreate what Jack Eichel was, hopefully, in the aggregate, and they could end up on the better side of things. Even though they don't have that franchise center, they could actually end up being a better team. Yes, I think that's right. And I mean, right now their top line is Skinner, Tage Thompson, and Alex Tuck. Tage uh, Thompson on of... the top line? Yeah. That man so went Skinner from has... bust to 1C quick. <laughs> Skinner has 34 points in 45 games. Um, Thompson has 33 and 43, hmm. which is pretty good. That's not bad. And then Tuck, 17 points in 15 games. Tage Thompson. Yeah. Man. Back to his uh, yeah. um, uh, growth that he used to get in like uh, NHL 19. NHL, like 16. <laughs> NHL 18, 19. I'm trying to think. Wow. I mean, again, he was a part of the uh, the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Mm -hmm. And honestly, again, you got to look at that trade, too. It worked out perfectly for the Blues to get Ryan O'Reilly. They win a Stanley Cup. It was Vladimir Saboka and Patrick Berglund, neither who play for the Sabres anymore. But they got Tage Thompson and first-round pick Ryan Johnson, uh, a defender who plays for the University of Minnesota, who went 31st overall in 2019. He doesn't look that bad, either. So while the Sabres are giving up on this higher-level talent, the returns that they've gotten on these technically aren't that bad. Yeah. Uh, and shout-out to Peyton Krebs. He actually has 22 games, played six points. He's 21 years old. It's not that bad. So I don't, I don't hate what the Sabres have there. They just need to mend the fence with that fan base right now because I do think they have good pieces already on that team, and they have three first-round picks right now as it stands. Yeah. They're looking okay. Mm-hmm. Hopefully By the way, it works this time. <laughs> the 2022 draft is insanity. I know. Right now, as it stands today, the number one overall pick will either go to Arizona or Montreal uh, because of the Dvorak deal. Right. Arizona right now is on pace to have the second overall pick anyway. Buffalo was at five. You have Columbus, who might have like the ninth and 10th pick if the season were to end today, because there's that Seth Jones pick that was in. Mm -hmm. Basically, there are teams right now 
Buffalo, Montreal, Arizona that have multiple first-round picks at play in this upcoming draft. This could be an insane draft for those clubs in particular. I'm excited to see how that plays out. But the Sabres talk brings us to the Vegas talk. Yay! Jack Eichel is active and will be in the Vegas lineup on Wednesday night. I'm, I, I was going to say I'm really surprised, but then I saw Mark Stone was on LTIR. I'm like, okay, well, there's 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 the trick. Yeah, they're, they're going to, oh, Eichel's good now. They're going to, Stone will be back by the playoffs probably. Lingering issues for Mark Stone, mm-hmm. and indeed, he is on the IR now. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> and that, but then, oh no, Laner got injured. Now they're going to crawl back to Flurry after dumping him for nothing. Mm-hmm. So Sin, Sin's Scum. just revealing everything we're going to talk about. Sorry. Him, I, like I, I, I took the lead because it's Vegas and fuck Vegas, and especially the Continue. way they, the way they manage their team is gross, man. I understand it's a business, but these are also human beings. I mean, how much did Flower not want to leave there? And now, like, you know, you know, Vegas is pursuing him. Obviously, McCrimmon has probably come out by this point and said, there's no validity to this rumor, as he said it numerous times before they made moves. Um or before, you know, Nate Schmidt tested positive for PEDs. Uh, <laughs> um, it's it's just weird. Like they're so they're so it's it's the mentality in hockey that's that's in my opinion the most cancerous. Is that win at all costs? It's what keeps Evander Kane, you know, going to an E team immediately. It's what you know the reason why Boucher was shielded um, from these allegations. It's the reason. Why Bertan was not because he's a trash fourth liner. You look at like where these. All right, so I gotta cut you off. I gotta cut you off. You're going robotic. It was it was on the it was yeah. on the fence for the moment. Damn. And I'm like okay. Right maybe when you mentioned up. Boucher, it went absolutely apeshit in the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> You're being silenced, sin. You're being silenced by big disc. <laughs> Damn it! By disc, big I, Vegas. I had a really good yeah, I had a really good point to make. Oh, keep well. going. Keep well, going. Essentially, Bring yeah. It back. It's it's that mentality in hockey. It's where you'll you'll do anything to win, and it doesn't matter as long as they're good on the ice. You don't care about anything else, and that's how kind of Vegas treats building their team. On the one hand, might be good, but on the other hand, it's like again, these are people. The way they handled trading, who was it, man? They like someone that like Schmidt trading was bad. He like found out through social media. Like a couple people found out that way. The way they dumped yeah. flour off for nothing, and then all of a sudden. They have a need and they're coming back. I'm yeah, I'm watching my ping kind of go fluctuate, so I'll wrap it up quick. But that's essentially like my gripe with Vegas. And honestly, some of their fans and some of their blogs have noticed that too. It's gonna catch up to them. Right now, it's a great place to play. Wait until you're a borderline team. The fans start disappearing. The uh, the nice uh, glamour wears off, and all of a sudden, you have this track record of treating people like crap. I mean, Flower again didn't want to move, got his family, and was forced to move and. Now everyone's talking about trading him again at the deadline. Like, does the man want to move again? Like, he's got a family, and he's obviously a family man. It's we'll see. We'll see what happens with Vegas. But either way, they're totally subverting the cap. That was their plan all along. And anyone who says otherwise, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, you're not wrong. No. Like once the Jack Eichel trade happened, that was definitely the plan. Yeah. Was to just be like, okay, if he can come back early. Like I thought we wouldn't see Jack Eichel until the playoffs, but oh well, Mark Stone could afford to rest up mm-hmm. for a little bit. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you'll need him. Yeah, that's it's 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 crazy. Um, just it. I've said this before. Like when they announced the team, I said that like originally it's going to be a tourist team, 
It's going to be hot commodities coming in or fans coming in, coming out. It's going to have a high turnover and there's not going to be a lot of loyalty to some of these players, especially with finding out that you're going to be shipped off another franchise over like social media, not even getting a call from your agent or having a conversation with the owner. I think it's disrespectful. But then again, that ties back to, you know, Sin City and the whole mentality around like Vegas, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And I think too much of that mentality is seeping into the franchise itself. And it's definitely poisoning the well and it's giving people bad vibes of going before. Because I remember um, hearing from a few friends of mine, uh, like word of mouth about guys who were going to get drafted. They're like, oh, if I go to Vegas, that'd be pretty cool. It's a brand new franchise. All this, all that. It'd be great. It'd be perfect. But now I think it's going to start changing because of these mixed messages from management being like, oh, you're going to be a key guy here. Uh, we want to keep you around. And then basically being told, like, tw- like maybe probably like 24, 48 hours later, you're out the door, kick you out before, slam the door shut. Like, it's it's not going to be feasible for them in, like, not even like three, four years, but like two, three years. Mark like, my words, you're ha- going to be trying to dump Petrangelo in two, three years. Yeah. Because that it's, contract's not going to look good. And they're going to do everything they can to dump him, which is, again, maybe the right side, but it's like, they keep doing that. Like, that's the thing. They sign guys long term uh, and then they just start, you know, dumping them off or say, hey, where well, this is part of our plan. Then all of a sudden, never mind. Let's change. The plan. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's like they're playing a custom franchise mode in the NHL 22 where they're like, oh, you have three years with a player. They get a cup run or whatever. And they're just like, all right, buy high. Get him now. Whatever. Don't like him now. Is Morales going down? Ship him over the uh, over to the Seattle. They have cap space, whatever. Like that's what it kind of feels like a little bit, and it's it's worrisome. Not just because of the players itself, because the franchise, and I'm pretty sure Batman doesn't care because they're lining his pockets with how much money they're bringing in. For now, yeah. But, for now, yeah. For again, now, again, if if that team's bad, that could be Arizona's. I mean, even worse than an Arizona situation, just because, like you said, the culture around Vegas, it's a fly by night town. You go to Vegas, mm-hmm. you fucking leave, and I don't know. We'll see. I, they could prove me wrong again, but. <sighs> I think that's a team that has to be good, and that's why so much was kind of put into them, making them good, and will probably be put into keeping good as well. Exactly. Again, Jack Eichel back, Mark Stone to the IR, Robin Leonard out with an upper body injury, Mark andre Fleury might be back. Fleury has a modified no-trade clause with a 10-team list. Would he leave Vegas off that list. If I was him, I absolutely out. would. I don't I don't know the situation if his family came with him to Chicago or or what if they still got a place there in Vegas. I don't know. I'm not sure either in yeah. terms of the family situation. I think that would be the biggest thing for him. And for anyone who says Vegas can't afford him. LOL. Yep. The Leafs got uh goalied the other night. Wanted to give Endo a chance to speak on this. As Thatcher Demko tied a Canucks record for most saves in a win with 51, matching Richard Brodeur's tally against the Winnipeg Jets on February 10th, 1985. Demko is making $5 million against the cap until 2026. Jesus Christ. If the Canucks waste the fact that they have Demko, who is playing this well, good God. But they have new manage- management you know, in there. I think they're okay. Oh. Endo, your thoughts on the Leafs getting goalied and then spanking the uh, Seattle Kraken to make up for it? Um, I mean, I could have used some of those goal scoring in the other game. 
Uh, I'm just looking right now quickly between the contract between UC Soros and Dr. Thatcher Demko. I'm trying to see which has the best value. Because if you put up a 51 fucking say performance and you're getting paid five mil a year, is, is it five mil or six mil you said? I think they're both making uh, five, by the way. Well, making five? Yeah. Well, you got you got Demko for like what till 2026, you said. That's that's yes. arguably a steal of, of a deal for what how oh, it's yeah, absolutely as well for now and you know yeah again if it it's keeps 26. playing like this yeah that's a good time it is a good time to give that goalie that contract but i'm pretty sure martin jones was that same again i'm not saying he's the same i'm just saying i'm always gonna say goalies are weird and just be careful mm-hmm. but yeah. so far so i think good. five million is a pretty good number though five yeah. million is a decent number if it blows up on you that's still a movable deal you know yeah Whereas if you sign a goalie to like seven plus mil, it starts. Oh yeah, that's a awful. Shady. I, I yeah, I, that's that's my thing. I never, I would never sign a goaltender more than like three or four years or more than like five six mil. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of guys being overpaid, Sergei Bobrovsky is finally pay, playing to his contract level. Maybe not really sure, but yeah, I'm looking he's at it right now. He's good this year, but yeah, no yeah. goalie's worth ten mil, man. <laughs> Or like whatever last year he was not Carey Price number one Golar is worth ten million a year. Thank you very much. Oh boy, how's that LTR sitting with um the cup to carry the price? <laughs> like if you look back at like Thatcher Demko's performance, like over the years, he's only getting better. Like twenty in twenty twenty, he had a three oh six nine oh five. Then last year nine fifteen nine twenty one. He's getting good. Like Demko Demko was always a weird goalie to me who needed a lot of extra time to develop and. I'm fine with that. Like you have Zach Fukali, who d- took a long ass time, like almost ten years, to become an NHL caliber goalie. Yeah, even goalies now, he's developed emerging. later. Like it just yeah. seems to be a thing where goal. I mean, Nabokov didn't come into the league until he was like 25, 26, and then all of a mm-hmm. sudden he took. He literally took over. I can't remember the last goal who came in like super young and was dominant. That's probably. Vasilevsky, like he got the job, like the the season after he got he got signed, as after he was drafted. That's a good shout because you can't even say like you know oh Carter Hart because obviously he's had his struggles and you could chalk that up to the team. But yeah, you can't say anything because he was almost in the he was almost in the Cheese Toast League for before until he bitched and moaned about Jeremy Swayman. Swayman. Well, also, Bennington is trash now. So yeah, Bennington is. He go. always was trash. He was on a hot trash. <laughs> okay, lucky. name of the episode: Trash Bennington or Sexual Anarchy? <laughs> 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 oh man! Oh, that's a good. Do one. we care about upsetting Blues fans as much as we care about? Uh... <sighs> well, clarified monkey. He'll be fine with it. He speaks for them all. Goodness. Wanted to mention here as well, uh, shout out to Matt Boldy of the Minnesota Wild, who, uh, to the surprise of Anson Carter, they're really, really good. Um, (laughs) 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 Matt Boldy scored his first career hat trick last night. It was a weird goal to the point where the fans are like, did we throw the hats or was it someone else's goal? Uh, by the way, again, the hat trick is still just one of my favorite things in all of sports. The fact that fans are like, $50 hat, fuck it, he scored know, three goals. I know, it's, it's, <laughs> isn't that such a weird thing, man? I've, ne- I've thrown a hat once uh, in a hat I've trick. never gotten the chance. Never gotten the chance. And Well, yeah, because the other times I was always in the third row corner, so the net was fucking there. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not, first of all, yeah, at least I have an excuse not to throw this expensive-ass hat. <laughs> Matt Boldy is 20 years old. He has 14 points in 13 games. Currently on the Wild's third line with Kevin Fiala and Frederick Goodrow. This kid's special, man. Yep. Uh, number one. Ah, 
along with myself, the pride of Milford, Massachusetts. Thank you very much. Um, but as well, I mean, like, dude, they brought in Kaprizov. He's only 24. You know, they gave him that big nine million until 2026. But Kaprizov is there. Boldy is is here. He's here. He is. He's bold. We got <laughs> shut up. <laughs> bold and brash. We got asked about like dark horses for the cup, and there's one team obviously that we're going to talk about to wrap up the show in a little bit that made a trade that can now be considered in that contention. Minnesota, as evident by Anson Carter, uh, don't get the respect that they deserve. Minnesota could. Could pull something off here. Now, the Western Conference is tough, man. Yeah. Because obviously they are in a division with Colorado. But aside from that, in that central, Minnesota's second. Then you have Nashville. Nashville, with UC Soros, man, who the hell knows? But no one, like, if Nashville makes the playoffs, right do. now, here, here's, the, here's the situation. Colorado, Minnesota, Nashville. Vegas, Calgary, LA. St. Louis, Anaheim. Some people wouldn't put Nashville over the two California teams in terms of their ability to make an impact in the playoffs. Really? It's just because of the makeup of that roster. Okay. I think at the very least, Nashville's in the bottom three of those potential eight seeds as of this moment. Uh, in terms of who people would expect, I think most people would put Calgary over Nashville. You're certainly putting Vegas in Colorado and Minnesota over Nashville. So they're in that weird spot. But again, because Minnesota is going to be overshadowed by Colorado and Vegas, and that's the narrative, make no mistake. It's already the narrative heading into the playoffs. If another team other than Colorado or Vegas represent the Western Conference in the Stanley Cup Final, it is an outright failure on Colorado or Vegas's part. Mm-hmm. We all know that. That's what it is. So I think it is fair to consider Minnesota a dark horse, and the fact that they get Matt Boldy to show up midseason, and he's tearing it up at 20 years old, and they have the depth ahead of him to keep him a little bit sheltered but still let him do what he needs to do. They're not having to rely on a 20-year-old kid. They have a very interesting setup, and we're not that far removed, obviously, from moving on from Zach Parise and Ryan Suter and, oh, God, what's going to happen to this team? And, oh, God, in case you guys forgot, do you remember the cap hit situation, the, the buyout penalty for them? Like, Minnesota's in a weird spot where you could say, like, oh, shit, they might want to make noise this year because $2.3 million against the cap for both of them. They keep identical numbers. So Minnesota has $4.7 million on the books because of Suter and Parise. Next year, it goes up to 12.7. Mm-hmm. The year after that, it's 14.7 for two years. $14.7 million between 2024 and 26 because they don't have Suter Parise playing for their team anymore. And then it drops down to 1.6. This is a very interesting four years for them. Yeah. Like, very, very interesting. <laughs> Try to make some noise so. this year, and then... Yeah. <laughs> Shed yeah. cap, get picks, exploit um, entry levels, and then until, you know... Yeah, that's another thing, too. When you look into getting... But they had to sign Caprizov off in the offseason... That was a very like big deal. When now I'm having to do with how, how much cap space I have to take up now because of the twelve and the all fourteen and all that, it's ridiculous. Another thing I want to mention, we're gonna go back. I just want to go back to Nashville real quick. Um, I just look look up some numbers for goaltending. Um, do you guys know who the backup goalie for Nashville is? David Riddick. David Riddick. He's played seven I, I was going to say, I only know that because I'm doing a fucking franchise mode with him right now. <laughs> yep. Tugi only knows it because he edits <laughs> rosters for 12 hours a day. <laughs> David, there you go. <laughs> Dave Riddick, former Toronto Maple Leaf, 
has Over Calgary Flame too. And Calgary Flame. Yeah. Big has save Davis. Seven games played with a 305 and an 882 save percentage. Now, Seven UC games? Soros, UC Soros has played his career, he's tied his career total for games played with 40. <laughs> has a 2.43 and a .925 save percentage. The last time he played... He's going to be dead by the time he gets to the playoffs. He's yeah, going to be dead. The last time he played this many games was 1920. And they that was when they got bounced out of the first round, I believe. I wonder that if was they'd when like they'd... a nice James Reimer for their first round pick. I think they're going to go look around for uh, a goalie just to have there as that third guy because Dave Riddick is not going to, he's not doing it. We'll he's take not Riddick. cut out to be a backup. We'll take Riddick and give him Reimer. Just give, they have to give us their first and maybe their second. Yeah. Dare I say an interdivision trade for Mark Andre Fiery Hot Chicken? <laughs> <laughs> I've never That's heard. That's the best I had. Oh my God. Oh my god! I definitely wouldn't want to have like a show, like an episode where we just talk about stuff. Not the, not the trade deadline show, but like the maybe like next week or whatever, just about like what's happening. Because this is a definitely an interesting story here. Because you have a guy who's currently at his ma- his most games ever played, except for when he played in Liga, when he played forty seven games back in 2014-15. But that was like way before, and that's like a different level of caliber. Like this is the most he's ever played at this level, and he's. Definitely gonna get burnt out. This you can also talk about Jack Campbell being, you know, burnt out and everything with Marazzi being injured. But then the Leafs just resign Joseph Wall to like a two point five million dollar deal, so he could probably come up next to fill in for whatever. But it's crazy. Uh, that's gonna be their biggest uh, issue when it comes to the playoffs is being able to make sure that UC is, is healthy and they don't overwork him. If or else they're gonna have an like- issue higher in the standings and they didn't have to worry about getting into the playoffs really like they could exactly. probably rest Saros a lot more but yeah you're totally right they're gonna need goaltender down the stretch that's what reminds me of the first time the sharks acquired reimer play behind jones because jones was having to play way too much heading into the playoffs mm. and lo and behold that was you know jones did good enough in 2016 and actually in the finals was kind of a goddamn brick wall unfortunately exactly you know what these teams Penguins need too good them. They need to find a Curtis McElhinney type goalie who's just the perfect backup. He's, he, he put him in regular season, the regular numbers. Like he's not that great as a starter, but backup key. Good just, backups just a are guy. underrated, man. Like they're, yeah. they're tough to find and they're pretty underrated. Definitely. That's like, why the Bruins this year went all in on picking up Allmark to have as a backup or a cover for Swayman because instead of you know having to run Swayman and Vladar in case Rask couldn't come back, like yeah, you know. Goaltending is obviously super important, but at the same time, you get to balance it right on the books. Yeah, especially so. with how fast the game's getting and everything. It's there's a lot more like a lot more strain on them. And as a Toronto Maple Leaf guy who's gone through Freddie Anderson playing sixty games a fucking season and then not getting past the first round because he's burnt out of his fucking mind, like you y- you got to have backup. You got to have support. He wouldn't have and survived I- in the day Broder was playing seventy two games a season. All right, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I I totally agree. The the fast, you know, how fast the game is. The butterfly itself is also obviously creating a hell of a lot of uh physical uh, conditions. We'll call it with goaltenders is. Yeah. yeah, a lot of guys are actually moving back into the more of a hybrid stance because constantly going down and going on your knees and stuff like that. It's killer. Uh, even as myself who plays like a, who does play, I can say firsthand, it, it does a, on your knees and your hips and all that. There are guys who are switching to more um, 
or like standing more upright and having like more like more narrow stances so that way they don't put as much like strength on their knees and you know just it's it's rough in terms of wrapping up this show we have two kind of conversations that are pretty close to one another we will start off with the name Claude Giroux whose name is very much out there right now in terms of you know again the Philadelphia Flyers captain who might be looking to get him uh Elliot Friedman released 32 thoughts here, the most recent one while we were talking. First and foremost, his number one thought is that uh, Vegas' GM Kelly McCrimmon said there's absolutely no truth to a Marc-Andre Fleury uh, reunion. But at the same time, remember when uh, old Biceps Bergevin said there was no truth to P.K. Subban getting traded. So you never trust those type of words. Yeah. yeah. But for Claude Giroux, the names that are out there, it, it's pretty well known. Ideally, the, the word was Colorado. And again, Claude Giroux is on an expiring contract you know it's not all that difficult for a team to go ahead and just retain salary on Claude Giroux uh, I did the not you know the math yesterday on uh, cap friendly's uh, trade machine you know if you retain 50% on Claude Giroux Colorado still needs to send about two and a half million dollars to Philadelphia that's easy enough I mean Eric uh, not Eric uh, Eric Johnson could work at six million but JT Comfer like there are moves that can be made yeah. to easily acquire Claude Giroux if you're Colorado. Other names out there, if and literally have been called, uh, told, you know, called like lesser options, but still okay. St. Louis and Minnesota, and in 32 thoughts, the Florida Panthers were also mentioned. Oh my How much God. more do they need? as a <laughs> as a potential spot? It's like so you have like oh here's the Washington Capitals, they're looking for forwards. Here's the Leafs. They're trying to get rid of Nick Ritchie. No shit. And then, oh, here's the Florida Panthers. They're inquiring about Claude Giroux because they're just the Panthers just aren't stacked enough. I respect it, though. I do. I respect the fact that Colorado and Florida, two teams who are already cup favorites, are both being like, let's get that extra piece. We're going for it. It's kind of what the LA Rams just did, and they won a Super Bowl out of it. Yeah, I I really like – obviously, I'm, I'm a little torn on this with the, with the teams that we mentioned. Colorado, I think I agree, probably is the ideal destination, and that would be awesome because, yes, please beat Vegas. But I'm really liking the Minnesota destination after what we just talked about with how Minnesota looks, what their situation is going to be like going into the next couple of years. As long as it doesn't cost them any future assets to get that retention and and then, uh, you know, obviously have to ship someone out. To get Giroux, like, again, it could kind of be they want to make a splash this year, but definitely not the expense of hemorrhaging their future. So I would love it because Giroux in Minnesota would be pretty sweet, and that would give them a heck of a good chance in the playoffs. But, yeah, if you went to Colorado, stack that team, kick the shit out of Vegas, please. Just don't don't let it be Vegas. As much as, like, Florida or Colorado, it raises their stock. If a St. Louis or a Minnesota gets Claude Giroux, it puts their names right up there. That conversation we yeah. just had about Minnesota being a dark horse, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, LOL, no. I think if Claude Giroux goes to Minnesota, it makes that a three-horse race between them, Colorado, and Vegas. That would be yeah. such an unbelievable Dude, Giroux Kaprizov? Can you imagine that shit? Oh, my God. Like, Giroux and the thing is probably like, the most underrated kind of... Center, or I guess he plays a lot of wing. He too, is. But he well, is. no, that's He's the thing. So he is a center, underrated. though, too. He has the second highest faceoff percentage behind Patrice Bergeron. They are the only two in the league over sixty percent right now. Wow. He's he's been. So I don't know underrated. if he was, Yeah, I love it. I don't know if he was playing on the wing because he just he could and nobody else could at least not as well as he did. But Claude Giroux is 
legitimately maybe the most underappreciated forward of the past decade. Yeah. He's in that conversation at the very least. And it's because he's been on Philadelphia, and Philadelphia hasn't done much, if not have been bad, and this season especially are hot trash. He was just doomed by the time they forgot his name when they drafted him. He was doomed to this life of who is this, <laughs> what is this, and but hey, it's going to work out for some team. They're going to get a hell of a player, and everyone's going to be like, holy shit, Claude Giroux can make a difference. Speaking of making a difference... Two other things I just noticed in 32 Thoughts that I want to bring up to you guys. One's shark-related, one Leafs-related. The Leafs-related one won't require much conversation. There is a player who played 87 games between the Leafs and the St. Louis Blues between 2015 and 2019 who would like to come back to the NHL. He's currently playing in the KHL, and right now uh, you know, the playoffs start in the KHL right after the Olympics. That player looking to make an NHL return? Nikita Soshnikov. Very much on the list. Very much on the list of, oh yeah, that's that's right, the Leafs tried that when they sucked. Uh, <laughs> I just I just looked at that name right now. He's 28. Uh, he's playing with Omsk, avant-garde. Last year he played with uh, CSKA Moscow. All right. He's got 15 points in 22 games. Damn. I encourage you all. Uh, there is a quiz. If you search 2017... Uh, Maple Leafs quiz. Uh, there's a roster quiz in regards to, uh, I think in regards to stats. Actually, this one might not, uh, this one might not be accurate. But basically, it's the idea of take a look at the 2017 Leafs and see how many times you're like, oh yeah, that's right, that guy played. <laughs> uh, we've talked about that on the show before yeah. with some of those Leafs rosters. Same the Sharks related one. We have talked about this player a ton. You already know who it's going to be because I just said that. Tomas Hurdle has made it pretty clear to San Jose he wants term. Ooh. Yep. He's not going to get it. And he shouldn't. And they're going to trade him. Mm. And it's not to say that Tomas Hurdle's not a great player. They cannot afford to give a guy with two separate knee injuries an eight-year mm-hmm. deal. Can't do and it. I, I know, I know it's going to hurt Sharks fans. I'll become an instant fucking fan of whatever team he goes to. Just like you still root for Joe Pavelski in Dallas. Exactly. Who apparently they, they're looking at maybe keeping now because he's fucking incredible. He's surprise, surprise. amazing. And yeah, Hurdle, it, it ha- here's the thing. Sharks need to accept the fact that this is not a good team. We're going to be stuck with contracts. You're not going to be able to win. Trade Hurdle, get stuck, get Actually try to rebuild on the fly. Like, actually take steps to do it. All right, you don't, you don't want to trade Timo Meyer, fine, but Hurdles, it's, he's got to be gone. He's one of the better, you know, obviously with Giroux there, it's kind of a two guys being targeted, but there's a lot of, of potential there to get a, a great return. And in a draft class that's this strong, we need another first. We need some more prospects. You need another first. I'm going to reiterate that. Like, absolutely, in this draft. I'm worried. San Jose. Because they love signing long-ass contracts. Yeah. I mean, the Sharks right now, they have their first for the next three years. They're missing this uh, year's second, uh, thanks to the Aiden Hill trade, which... uh, (sighs) It's not bad, but also Nedeljkovic went for a fucking third. Yeah. You just got the spa, Steve Azerman. Oh man, Thrash is the best. That's the best cover ever. 
With that, we move on to our final talking point of the day. We've been talking about trades. First and foremost, I want to talk about the Habs. Cole Caulfield, two goals in as many games under Martin St. Louis as head coach of the team. So, goal Caulfield is back, Sin. Yep. How do you feel? I feel terrific. He's, you know, definitely I'm going to change him immediately to a high elite. Change him back right now. High elite. Guaranteed 40-goal guy just for 10 years straight. Guaranteed 40-goal guy. Obviously, the big news for the Habs is that they traded away Tyler Toffoli, who was described as being the captain without the C in that locker room. Uh, he is on a deal that goes through next year. At 425, the Calgary Flames have acquired him for forward Tyler Pitlick, noted Seattle Kraken legend Tyler Pitlick, mm-hmm. uh, who was taken in the expansion draft and immediately dealt. Uh, prospect Emil Heineman, uh, who is a Swede that was originally drafted by the Panthers, went to Calgary in the Sam Bennett deal and now is a hab. A conditional first-round pick. It's top 10 protected. The Flames won't have a top 10 pick. And a fifth-round pick in 20. But it's a good thing they protected it. <clears throat> Just to be safe. Yep. For the Montreal Canadiens, I think it's a good deal. I mean, you want to keep someone like Toffoli? Much like Tomas Hurdle. Good locker room guy. You could keep him around. And he's a great guy to have around. But at the same time, the value that you can get for him is more important than the value of him being there as a leader in the locker room to some of the younger guys, in my opinion, for where Montreal is right now at this stage. And especially because, again, that first-round pick is in limbo because of the Dvorak trade. With this, they have three first-round picks and three second-round picks. Like, this is a good little haul that the Habs have. We are still impending... Uh, or, you know, waiting on the Jeff Petrie trade potentially, which honestly might not happen until the offseason with how much he gets paid. There are some other assets that they can strip away. Ben Sherratt, who recently got hurt, somehow his name is constantly out there. Is like, oh man, we want Ben Sherratt. Lord knows I don't understand it. It's a good deal for the Habs. You get the pick. Pitlick can play this year. They now have three uh, Pitlicks <laughs> within their organization. Um,. And Emil Heineman is a complete question mark, but a former, I think, 41st overall pick, if I'm not mistaken. So it's an okay deal. Uh, yeah. They did pretty damn well. Is, and like I said, they're at the position where Toffoli doesn't do much for him. Is Heineman forward or defense? I missed that part. Forward. Ah. If he was defense, I'd be like, that could be really good. Second round defenseman. We've seen them uh, really uh, pan out in a lot of ways. Yeah. He is 20 years old, listed as a left winger, on cap friendly. Playing for Lexans in the SHL this season, 16 points in 36 games with 11 goals. Not too bad for a 20-year-old forward. Lexans is a good league. team too. Like they also have uh, noted former uh, Maple Leaf uh, Kazimir Kaskasuo who played one game with them. What a guy! This, yeah. So is he really there then? If he played one game, I mean, I mean, like he played one game with uh, <laughs> with the Leafs. I mean, then again, there ah, was a good gotcha. one game that they got absolutely fucking shelled at no support. It was known as the game that got Mike Babcock fired. And God bless him. God bless God him. Bless Thank you, Ka- Thank you, Thank you, I appreciate you. For the Calgary Flames, I mentioned them earlier alongside Minnesota as a potential dark horse, which I do think they are now. They needed Tyler Toffoli to boost up that either bottom, you know, top six, if not middle six, and apparently he's slotted in on cap friendly on the third line with Dylan Dubé and Sean Monahan. Mm. Second line is Manjapani, Backlund, Coleman. Top line, Goodrow, Lindholm, Kachuk. 
That is a very, very solid top nine forward core. Their defense, I still think, is a little bit suspect. I'm sorry, but you're trusting Nikita Zadorov and Erica Branson as your third pair. I get the physicality they bring. I'm just a little bit scared. But then they have Markstrom, who has a 927 save percentage and eight shutouts on the year. Calgary, with Tyler Toffoli, immediately looks so much more dangerous. Yeah. And I put them right there with Minnesota as a dark horse where if you if you had to say, okay, who's going to make it to the Western Conference uh, or to the Stanley Cup Final as the Western Conference representative, you can't pick Colorado, you cannot pick Vegas. You're going with Minnesota or Calgary. Yeah. Those are the next two in line, unless you want to take a, you know, kind of a, a, a you know, an outside shot at somebody else. Hard to disagree with that. Yeah. And Daryl Sutter's a good coach, so. And uh, there's the former LA King connection as well. Oh, yeah, Toffoli has a... Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. guys who play together back in that, that lineup. There's a lot of guys playing together back in Calgary now. It's it's ridiculous. You know, get the, ba- get the band back together. It's funny because people claim the... Uh... The, the Calgary Kings, but also Canucks fans. Like, there's so many former Canucks on the team, too. They want to be us so bad because of the likes of, uh, obviously, Toffoli and Tanev and Markstrom. Yeah. They're Canucks doing you fans. but better. How do you feel? <laughs> so, yeah. You know, it's not the most controversial trade in the world. Both teams look good at the end of this deal. I There's not too much else to say about that. Both teams look pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Boys, this was a fun show. Yeah, it was. I thought it was a good one. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> Let's hope that this Friday we uh, also still have some stuff to talk about. Obviously, we are getting that much closer to trade season, but again, the deadline is still a month away, so there's a long way to go. I still don't think we'll see you know, this crazy Marc-Andre Fleury uh, amount of trades. You see, I tried to work Fleury of trades into Marc-Andre Fleury. There's a lot that's still yet to be decided. There are a lot of horrible words, uh, play on words and puns that you will hear from me over the next month, should you choose to listen to the show. But should you choose to do that, we thank you very, very much. You can follow Endo. Endo, tell everybody what you're doing on Twitch now. Oh, okay. So this is actually really interesting. We talked. I talked about this earlier beforehand. Uh, last episode of the podcast, I believe I talked about wanting to do something uh, via... Parsec. Parsec is a application that lets you connect to someone's PC to play games that usually played offline, but now online. Uh, it's really good to have a good connection. It's peer to peer, all that fun stuff. So what I've been doing is going back into old video games. Uh, after the announcement of the newest Super Mario Strikers game, Super Mario Strikers Battle League for the Switch is going to be coming out in the summer. So I decided to go back to you know the roots of that series to see how things are and how things are going. Having a lot of fun. I think the other day I had Jerdubs, uh, NHL streamer, uh, join me like on stream to play the game. And it, it was it was awesome. So I figured right now I'm at the final cup of the game of the main game, uh, the Bowser Cup. And you have nine games to play through. And I remember as a kid playing this series and doing an all-nighter just playing the Bowser Cup with my cousins and just going through all four of us just absolutely going crazy going wild close games going to sudden death and all that so i felt like the best opportunity to recreate those memories is to grab some of the friends of friendos of mine uh you guys included obviously you're my friends and you're awesome and just you know just 
recreate that memory that I used to have. And so it's a series that I'm going to probably do for other games as well. Uh, over on twitch.tv slash endomills. And it's probably going to be the first series that actually goes up on YouTube. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Because I'm usually getting lazy with that kind of stuff. Uh, so if anyone in here wants to be interested in that, I have a post up on Twitter. Again, twitter.com slash endomills. Uh, or about talking about how it's going to work and how to get started with using Parsec and all that. Um, I'm going to have it hopefully organized over the next few days, and we're going to have a big, massive stream just playing through the Bowser Cup. Yeah, so that's what I've been up to. A lot of, a lot of, it's a lot of work. <laughs> Sim for the win. Yeah. What's going on with you? Oh, you know, as usual. Um, uh, yeah, still, uh, still on YouTube. You can still find me there, Sim for the Win Productions. You can follow me on Twitter. I post occasionally. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, as I said last time I was here, I mean, I start, recently started the Nashville franchise uh, franchise mode, which is uh, it's going great right now. Just had an incredible draft. And uh, yeah, watch my shit. <laughs> you can, of course, find me everywhere at Tookie24, the YouTubes, the Twitch. Of course, we're... Uh, God, we've been... Doing a bit of NHL roster editing because, again, they added that shoot pass slider. I'm almost done with the NHL. So there will be a new roster update for those of you on Series S and X by the end of the month, which I'm very excited for because, dude, you have guys like David Posternock who EA had set to like a 7. He's now a 0 for me. He was like a 7. William Nylander went from like an 11 to a 3. So if you've ever wondered why guys like William Nylander and Matthew Kachuk and dudes like that and David Posternock, why they were more playmakers rather than goal scorers, you're about to have a very fun time mm-hmm. within franchise mode on the Series S and oh on the Series God. X. Do you know uh, how that affects like actual gameplay itself? Is it is it still representative? Or I, no? It's more than the Sim. I, I would assume. Oh, oh. Yeah. I would assume it matters not just for the Sim, wow. but in-game as well. I would presume. I can't say with 100% certainty I thought, but the, I would presume. I thought the gameplay would AI would take over at that point, but I guess it is considered part of their attributes. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's it's a weird one. Like okay. I said, and the question is too. Of course, we saw that feature added uh, in like October or November. It was November for created players, and then they added it for everyone else. So it's like, hmm, how long was this a hidden feature that we didn't have access to? How right. long was that there? Mm-hmm. Probably a while. I mean, like. It would explain again why certain guys struggled for no reason. I mean, the no matter what thing... attributes you gave them, certain dudes would not perform. It yeah. has to be because of that slider. Yeah, I mean, the last time they had something big like that was what thirteen when they switched all the the names and different attributes attributes for the players. Because I remember a little briefly about that, like way back in thirteen, they changed it up a little bit. Worth noting as well, of course, on the, the Twitch side of things, we've been playing a lot of FIFA Pro Clubs with the fellas. Oh my god. <laughs> You just want to wring, like, much. my neck and, like, warrior's neck, I swear to God, because <laughs> how we're playing. <laughs> it's a fun time, and, of course, a lot of NCAA football thir- 14. I almost said 13, because we used to play 13. We've been playing a lot of 14 revamped. That mod is insanity. Um, of course, that's going up on the secondary channel, TWOGIE24, for some of you that uh, might not still somehow know that that's a thing. But with that, though, we will call it. Again, a big thank you to our friends at Manscaped. Use code Tugi at checkout for 20% off your order and free worldwide shipping. We will see you all this Friday. Thank you very much for listening, and goodbye.